to the Download Podcast, the audio companion to the Download Video Show. Featuring more trends and insights for digital marketers. Presented by Microsoft Advertising. The Download. Hi there. Welcome to the Download Podcast, the audio companion to the web TV series from Microsoft Advertising. We've made some changes to the format, obviously, beginning with me. I'm Jacob Rice. I'll be your host for this new iteration of the show, which will be devoted to SMBs, our beloved small to mid-sized businesses. We'll be offering up a more practical take on industry and data trends, translating these trends into tips and tactics for your marketing campaigns. This episode is all about the future of retail, say one to five years from now, but we'll also give you some tips that you can put into practice today to help grow your business. And to help us with this, we have some expert guests joining us. Coming up in a segment we're calling Clickstream, we'll talk to Nick Zada and Matt Goff from Logical Position, a performance marketing agency in Portland, Oregon. Nick and Matt will unpack some retail trends and deliver some practical campaign management advice for advertisers. And just what are these trends, you ask? Well, that's a job for our first guest in a segment we're calling Vertical View. Ya'a Chow is a retail industry strategist, an expert in the retail vertical, and she's my colleague at Microsoft Advertising. So yeah, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And for our listeners out there, now Ya'a is a industry strategist with Microsoft Advertising. What exactly do you do all day as an industry strategist? What exactly do I do all day? Great question, Jake. So what I do is I really look at a lot of the external levers within the industry, geopolitical levers, uh, macroeconomic issues, and really identify areas of opportunity for Microsoft advertising. What can we do for our advertisers? Also, where can we meet our consumers? What is changing with consumer behavior? And really just connecting the dots there. In your role, do you have, say, a lot of data, both external, say, third-party research, as well as Microsoft data? Or how do you come to these insights? It really is a combination of partnering with our cross-functional partners and bringing in different insights and really tying that back to the direction of the industry. For example, we can look at expected retail sales for this year. They are expected to grow 6 to 8%. So we like to understand whether or not the performance within Microsoft Advertising aligns with that projection. Okay, so there's a little bit of troubleshooting involved Absolutely. in it. Absolutely. Always some troubleshooting. I think that that's the ambiguity is the great part, right? Is digging in and really understanding where we can find that sweet spot and where there are areas of opportunity. And it also brings about some creativity. How do we get a, a bit creative with, you know, ensuring that we are providing the appropriate direction of the industry and formulating a hypothesis based on the things that are happening? Now, on that side of the hypothesis of it, do you work with clients specifically? So this would be advertisers, gentle listeners out there. Would, do you work with them to 
pos to create the hypothesis and and then take their data in a non uh, non stealing personally identifiable way. So I am not client facing. What I do actually is I listen to a lot of earnings calls. I read a lot of articles, and I also get the opportunity to hear the voice of the client from our sales team and our sales leaders, which is extremely helpful. Bringing in that voice of the client and the feedback that each client is able to provide about their business, what's going great, what are some of the challenges, really helps us be, formulate those hypotheses and connect the dots. Okay, nice. Now, I want to transition because, yeah, you have done some stellar work, and it's about the future and where the industry is going. So could you tell me about this forward-looking section called State of Retail, Five-Year Outlook, and how you put that together to see where the industry is going. So retail media will surpass 50 billion in 2022. So the accelerated growth of retail media networks and the focus on first party data creates a lot of opportunity for uh, retailers and brands alike. So you'll see a lot of brand partnerships for exposure to new markets, as well as immersive AR experiences con to connect to digital and physical experiences driving loyalty programs, as well as payment options. We see how popular buy now, pay later has become, especially given our current times, right? Inflation is at a 40-year high since 1981. I believe it's at 8% right now. So as we think about the consumer and where they are going, they are probably going to be a little bit more cost-conscious during this time as we possibly lead into a recession. Speaking about buy now and pay later, when it comes to that, are the retailers offering no interest purchase, lower interest? Because when we think about that 8% compounded over years, that can, you know, that can be pretty stifling for consumers. So how are they setting the terms of that? I agree. It is absolutely stifling for consumers. So retailers are actually partnering with providers. You have the Afterpay, the Klarna's for the buy now, pay later experience. And I think whatever that uh, partnership looks like is really uh, based on the contract with that actual provider. So it really is up to the retailer or the brand to decide whether or not they want to offer buy now, pay later, and if that is something that their customer is actually seeking. Okay, now this is gonna be kind of old school since we're talking about inflation, but if you remember layaways, are we yes. seeing any sort of layaway trends with that where you can't necessarily take it until you pay for it, but that seems a bit more, you know, safe for all the parties. <laughs> I completely agree. You know, I like to think of buy now, pay later as the new layaway. I have not seen the layaway trend at all. So I really think that's evolved into buy now, pay later to satisfy a consumer's thirst for instant gratification. Another thing is I wanted to step back earlier in our conversation when you talked about voice commerce and automation. Now, voice commerce, are we talking about, hey, that Amazon made little device that's always listening? Are we talking about that becoming more dominant in the space? Yes, I think think of voice commerce as the opportunity to say, hey, um, ex-assistant, can you please reorder my toilet paper? <laughs> and, you know, really just shopping in that way or even utilizing different devices to shop with voice commerce. Another another area is chatbots. 
that's another area of opportunity. Chatbots and the ability to automate customer service, to provide that feedback and service at any given time. Your consumers are all over the world. So, um, and also, if you are a small business, utilizing a chatbot, I'm sure, can be really cost efficient and helpful for your consumers. I totally understand that, especially with the chatbot. But my big concern, like if I'm thinking about a smaller player, let's just take, you know, I'm a regional su- supplier of beer koozies. Why not? Uh, <laughs> you've got to go up against a big guy in Amazon for that. So is this the kind of thing where you kind of yield and work with a bigger retailer? How can a smaller retailer, especially if it's we're moving to more voice commerce, how do you play in this space? Yeah, I think really that's going to be an integration with some of the platforms that already exist. I know that, for example, a lot of the platforms that uh, small businesses are utilizing have, there are tons of widgets and there are also integrations that you can utilize in that space. But really, the, the number one way a smaller business can compete with the big guys is through authenticity and personalization. Those are the ways to really connect with your your customer and get to know them and ensure that you're building brand equity by communicating effectively and having personalized relationships with them. Okay, so I can totally understand that. The big retailers in the space, they're not going to know you. Yes. But those smaller shops can understand you what you want to buy, and they should leverage that as a primary source of differentiation. Yes, and also ensuring that you are engaging with your customers about order shipments, browse abandonment, post-purchase, birthdays, you know, personal events. Uh, I think all of those campaigns are really important to ensure that you are building that authenticity and really also if you're a small business and you're taking a stance, ensure that you're sharing that information with your customers as well and elevating that, even if it's within an advertisement. If you are a sustainable business, elevate that within your ad units. Mm -hmm. I I was going to say, I'll do a little plug here, okay, uh, for our listeners. With a lot of Microsoft advertising's retail products, there's a way to use an XML feed to update your ads and make it more personal for the person that might be browsing or shopping online. But back to the conversation, plug over. Well, there you go. I love that plug. And I think, and and that's a great plug because the more information you add into that file, the really it's, you can target your consumer much better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you had three tips to give an SMB with all the information we just covered, what would be the three things you would say, go do this today? The the three things I would say. So the first one I would say, um, really remain authentic and rooted in your brand. If you have taken a stance on something, ensure that you are communicating that with your consumers. And I say that because as we, we know that with the pandemic, consumers became much more aware and much more conscious of where they were making purchases and what they were consuming. So continue to do that. Number two, really think about 
the technology that you're adopting and the omni-channel experience that you can create for your consumers to ensure that you are remaining connected. So definitely lean into that experience and create a seamless experience for consumers. The third one, lean into all of the different uh, omni-channel areas, right? So advertising, advertising, advertising. Not just saying that because we're <laughs> MSA, but I think the more that you do that, the more you're going to you know, learn a little bit more about your consumers and understand your return on ad spend, as well as utilize the different types, right? Whether it is an editorial type of advertisement or video, really lean into different ad types and ensure that you're taking advantage of those wonderful opportunities. Yeah, I think that's the one thing a lot of people and businesses have a problem with is I've got all these ads running, I have these campaigns, but they don't know necessarily how to stitch it together yes. to get a true understanding of consumers. Because I, like I said, I came from the Advertiser Insights group that Yah was part of as well. And I would spend all my day for health and wellness studying how people would look for, say, diabetes drugs. It's all about understanding how people look for information or which types of ads resonate or what they're doing on your website, because it makes a very compelling and 360 picture of this person in the data. And it's not it's not personal by any means. You don't know who this person is in this case, but you can use that data to better understand what people are looking for. Absolutely. Completely agree. Thanks, y'all, for coming on. If anyone is interested in reading more about Yaw's custom research, you can find her LinkedIn profile, Simple Search. In show notes, we'll put your name and you can download that information there. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. You're listening to the Download Podcast. Presented by Microsoft Advertising. Okay, we just heard from retail industry strategist Ya Achia, giving you some top-level trend predictions. But in practical terms, what do these trends imply for small and medium-sized businesses? What are the challenges they present and what are the opportunities? And that's what our Clickstream segment will cover. We're excited to welcome two experts to break this down for you. Nick Zada, Manager of Small Business Client Services Strategy, and Matt Goff, Manager of SMB Search Strategy. Both of these gentlemen work with our elite partner agency, Logical Position. Welcome to both of you. And Nick, I want to jump right in. For our listeners, what is the elite partnership with Microsoft Advertising? Yeah, thanks, Jake. Glad to be here. It's an honor to be an elite channel partner. Aside from our adoption with Microsoft Ads, what really makes us great and unique is going to be our one-to-one account manager to paid search specialist per client ideology that we have. So every client of ours has a, a team of experts that are working on their account, whether that be on the client facing side or in the back end. And then also our engagement with Microsoft across the board, whether that be blog posts, piloting new features, our technology and automation advancements, or our omni-channel experience that we provide. And then I also heard you were part of a group called Channel Partner. What does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Channel Partner is essentially somebody that actively listens and provides feedback to the Microsoft team uh, to where we can get the latest and greatest news and information from Microsoft, implement it on our end or strategize and give feedback back to Microsoft on whether or not that has been a positive experience or a negative experience for us and or our clients 
uh, to better all of the industry processes across the board. Thanks for clarifying. For you, Matt, let's get into the meat of the matter and talk about some seasonal trends in shopping. So right now we're moving into the back to school season. Actually, it's we're in the thick of it. A lot of advertisers are planning for the holiday. If we're looking at 2022 versus the pandemic years of 2020, 2021, what are the key changes you're seeing? I think one thing that we saw even last year that we're continuing to see this year is that consumers are starting their shopping earlier than in previous years, pre-pandemic. Last year, there were some shipping concerns that were causing people to buy early. This year, inflation is probably the biggest driver of that. Uh, whether or not people thinking their buying power goes further now or are trying to avoid cost increases in the future, that's probably why we're seeing that. I think another trend that we've seen is consumers are paying more attention to value than in previous years. So whereas consumers may have been more brand loyal, you know, pre-pandemic, moving forward, they're focusing more on price and seeing if they can stretch their money a little further. Inflation is definitely playing a part of that. And it's definitely affecting how much consumers are willing to spend on gifts for the holidays. So that's another thing that we may see this year is less of those non-essential buys. So, you know, you're going to want to give the gifts that people are really going to enjoy, but you might see smaller stockings, less less presents under the, the tree just because of that. Now, I think holiday shopping is definitely going to start earlier in the season than we did see last year. And most back school shoppers are probably already researching and adding things to carts and looking to buy. So understanding that because of inflation and more of a emphasis on value and I guess being pickier with what you're purchasing, are there any categories that are standing out or that you're seeing more interest in? Like if we're talking kids' toys, what types of toys? If we're talking consumer electronics, are people saying no to laptops and doing tablets instead? Do you see any changes there from previous years? We don't have much insight to macro consumer trends necessarily that we're seeing what are people more interested in buying. I would imagine the essentials that people are going to get, you know, especially for schools, you know, anything that's required for like in-person learning or remote learning. So if people are needing to buy laptops or microphones so that they can be heard at home, I think those are probably going to be big there. I would imagine some of the more extra purchases as far as consumer electronics go might slow down. So for example, I was looking for AirPods the other day and asked myself, do I really need these for $150? Some of those things, I think people are going to be asking, can I, do I already meet this need? And do I really need to spend money on additional products? Yeah, I actually have a client that sells higher-end gaming laptops. So this was something that blew up the start of the pandemic uh, with everybody at home and needing a new hobby or lean into their hobbies they already have. So their industry blew up, so to speak. And now we're actually seeing a big turndown of that. You can imagine high-end gaming laptops isn't necessarily going to be something that everybody needs, but more of a want. And what's happening is consumers are a lot more careful with what they spend money on. And a lot of those funds are going more towards the day-to-day commodities rather than expenditures of higher-end gaming laptops or anything that is something that's more frivolous than more based on the need and functionality to the day-to-day, 
with that. So in that particular case, we've actually seen things dramatically slow down. And I can imagine people are looking more for budget laptops and something within their price range that will do what they need to do in the time being, and rather than splurging on something that is higher end and a lot more expensive. Now, if I were a, a small retailer understanding these current trends, does this mean I should expect to increase my cost per acquisition or put a different threshold on my return to ad spend expectations? Yeah, as far as um, what to expect, I do think an increase in cost per acquisition, uh, we've seen that across most of our clients. And that's based on a couple of factors, um, industry related, one of which being an increase in CPC as more competition uh, comes into the marketplace. As far as what what they should be focusing on in terms of the return on ad spend metrics, our advice to clients is always know your margins, know what you need to break even with those margins and look to maximize revenue from there. We focus a lot on efficiency and it's always nice to make $6 for every dollar spent versus making $3 for every dollar spent. But if all you really need to do to beat your margins is to make $3 for every dollar spent, then our goal is looking to maximize profits until we hit that diminishing marginal returns threshold. CPCs are, are rising. And one of the implications with that is either we need to lower our return on ad spend expectations or uh, increase our CPA expectations, or we, we need to understand our break-even and what the break-even is for that consumer to acquire and how much revenue we're going to be getting from that consumer moving forward on a six-month yearly basis, two-year basis, and understanding what the lifetime value is there and how long of a customer can we maintain. So that initial maybe $1 in profit that you'd get from your advertising could turn into $50, $100, $200 later on down the line. So it's important to remarket to those users, whether that be through remarketing channels through PPC or email marketing or SMS marketing. We were just talking about the shopping season holiday shopping season starting earlier and earlier. So, okay, for me, I start thinking about holiday shopping after Halloween. But are we seeing folks looking earlier than Halloween? What what if I were going to set my my flighting for my ads, when to start for holiday, when to end it? What would be that window you would recommend? Yeah, that's a great question. Um speaking in the context of last year, we saw Honestly, we saw an increase in impressions and cost in our holiday affected accounts um, as early as October 12th or 11th there, I want to say. So it definitely started, you know, three weeks before Halloween this past year, if not before that. You know, I think we and, uh, and many advertisers may have been late to the game last year, not really expecting that uh, seasonal increase to start until after Halloween like it traditionally does. So, you know, flash forward to this year. I would anticipate holiday shopping to start as early as September. People are honestly probably already doing some research and checking prices currently to see what things are kind of like out there. Yeah. Big box stores are already paving that road on when shoppers should begin thinking about holiday seasons with their publications and emails being sent out around when you should start looking for those products or services. We saw last year and the year before that those were already starting in September they're really the example of reaching the mass on when they should start looking for those products and start thinking about that. And that's becoming earlier and earlier because of supply woes and making sure that that demand is met 
on their side. We've got inflation. People are starting earlier. I'm thinking a major emphasis on discounting on products for the holiday season. Are you seeing any kind of general trend when it comes to the the discount being offered? Are we looking at 20%, 30% in ad copy that you're seeing from your clients? How important is the discount or the offer? I think to that, it really depends on your industry and vertical. For instance, for a furniture client, if you're running that same 10% off that you have years past, something to look at is Wayfair, for instance. What are they doing? Because they take a lot of that market. Same with Amazon or Walmart, big box stores like that. And what you'll find is that they're giving deeper and deeper discounts. And in order to remain relevant, you need to match that or have something that's very competitive. Otherwise, your special offer is going to fall behind and no one's going to pay attention to that. One segment of retail that doesn't get a lot of press that we see is the B2B space. I think B2B is very interesting because it really depends how negatively or positively it's been affected over the past couple of years due to COVID. For instance, I have a client in the EHR space which is electronic health records. And as you can imagine, uh, that space has in large blown up because of the increase in demand uh, with hospitals. So we're using and leveraging LinkedIn data layering with Microsoft ads to help us get and reach that industry a little bit better and leverage that. And what we're seeing is some pretty stark differences in demand since pre-COVID to now. The other side of that is we also work with a retail sign client And because of the COVID shutdowns, the economic pressures, the supply issues, and thin margins, a lot of businesses aren't restarting or a lot of businesses have closed currently. So that industry is down by quite a bit pre-COVID to now. So in large, it really depends with the B2B market and what your, your vertical is and how that's been affected by COVID. A few of my clients have operated kind of in the facilities management space. Also things like commercial plumbing, commercial uh, electricians, uh, et cetera. A lot of those clients have kind of been forced to reevaluate the service offerings that they do and maybe move into more residential focused business avenues rather than fully focusing on the office environment. That's probably been the biggest area that I've seen, at least in my personal book of accounts, take a hit is when everybody started working from home, there was a much less need for office plumbing services or commercial cleaning services, just because there were less of the workforce in those places. One of the things Yah was talking about was a big emphasis on omni-channel marketing. So gentlemen, if you would, could you give us your take on omni-channel marketing and which different advertising channels you see advertisers use to most efficiently reach their customers. Yeah. If we're talking specifically about Microsoft and the products that you all offer through uh, Microsoft advertising, I think the biggest area of opportunity and investment is probably the Microsoft audience network. Top of funnel searches are huge. As I mentioned earlier, everyone is doing their research and looking for the best value. So getting in front of those consumers before they even perform an active search on uh, the search engine is huge in creating that awareness top of funnel. Another thing to expand on that point is that consumers are typically more willing to buy from brands that they recognize, even if they've only seen an audience ad on uh, Microsoft. 
Additionally, I think it's important to create relevant content across the entire customer journey from initial awareness to the research phase and ultimately to the uh, the buying phase. A good way that we like to do this at Logical Position is definitely leveraging remarketing and making sure that we're re-engaging customers who've previously visited the site and not bought yet. Yeah. I think a lot of the world is going more of an omni way. And when I think of omni channel, I think not only within the platform of Microsoft ads or Google ads, but holistically across multiple mediums. There's a lot of data showing that our buyers are a lot of times more omnipresent and they're going through multiple channels to decide whether to buy something or go with a certain service. So that omni way of initially typing in that search on Bing ends up being more omni to where they eventually go and look at video on YouTube and all of a sudden they're now seeing a sequence of videos that you're advertising about that certain product or service or maybe even a little bit more about your brand. Then they're opening up Facebook and now they're seeing a remarketing carousel of products that they've seen on your site or an image uh, with more detail about your brand or your return policy or whatever benefits of going with you. Then you're opening the news and you're checking the news and all of a sudden you're seeing ads with that business showing, again, more benefits and features of their products or their brand. So there's a lot of, there's a a very big multi-touch point that is involved for a lot of these consumers. And because of the financial difficulties lately and COVID and all of the implications there, people are a lot more careful uh, with who they spend their money with. And all of those things help that purchasing process to build confidence with that brand or that product to go with that. So it's no longer just a one click and buy immediately. Certainly there's people that are like that, but a majority of our consumers are thinking in a more omni way. And it's important to have multiple pieces of content across multiple different platforms because one of those pieces of content could resonate with a consumer better than others and seal that deal. I think what's really important to keep in mind when you think about MSAM campaigns, specifically top of funnel, as Nick was talking about, is that we're not expecting last click conversions from that. They're really best served as awareness campaigns, top of funnel initiatives to introduce new customers to the brand. And honestly, the best way to measure the success of that is to keep an eye on other channels. So not only looking at, are you getting more traffic from your search campaigns? Are you getting more traffic in your shopping campaigns? Uh, traditionally, you know, we've looked at branded campaigns to see if there's a bigger uh, or an increase in impressions from those after in, uh, implementing MSAN campaigns. Just essentially seeing do more people know and are searching about this brand than before. And then also really important is to look at your entire website, look at traffic and see if there's a direct co- correlation between starting those MSAN campaigns and then what you're seeing on the back end of your website. And if nothing else has changed and you're seeing an increase in traffic, after flipping that switch, I think it stands to reason that some of that traffic could be attributed to MSAN awareness campaigns. Matt, you had some additional advice you wanted to give small retailers for what they should plan for in a year from now. Yeah, something to just be thinking about for smaller retailers is the retail media space is growing and it's continuing to grow year over year. So in addition to companies like Amazon, we're also seeing companies like Target, Uh, Home Depot. I've even heard of Walgreens starting their own media platform on their site. You know, you've got Walmart and uh, Instacart. They're all starting to invest in their own advertising platforms. 
And you don't necessarily need to sell on most of those sites to advertise there. So just, you know, looking forward a year or two from now, something to maybe thinking about is how is that digital marketing space developing? And then if we throw it back to the omni-channel trends that we had been talking about, I see that space specifically being one of the fastest growing spaces and tying in with where people can just diversify their investment to make sure that they're going after the, the most revenue they can get. Yeah. And so I'll do subtle plug because I'm the host. I work for Microsoft Advertising. We have an offering called Promote IQ, which does a lot of that for our advertisers. For sure. What are some key marketing or online advertising tactics SMBs can use to break through against those big box retailers like Walmart and Target? Because it's tough (laughs) to go toe to toe with those guys. Yeah, it's certainly not getting any easier, but there's some, luckily there's some great things that you can still do to get people to go to your site versus the Walmart or Target of the world. The biggest thing is just making sure that you focus on the pool of customers who are willing to buy from you. Offer them value, give them personalized messaging, and welcome them to come back and purchase. That goes back to one of the topics I talked about earlier about the lifetime value. One of the things you can do right away is personalize your ad copy to reflect your brand and personality. Consumers like supporting small businesses. Big box stores, their ad copy is going to be pretty bleak or over-encompassing with their advertising and not really curtailed to a lot of things that are going on today or really represent a specific stand or brand type of personality. So make sure that once you do acquire those consumers, you're focusing on those consumers, they're moving forward and not just forgetting about them. Do that through your email marketing, your SMS marketing, make that messaging personalized and make them feel a part of your brand as opposed to somebody that just went and bought from you and then you don't really care about them anymore. Another thing is make sure you get reviews and testimonies from your consumers. Every bit of confidence helps the next consumer decide whether or not to buy from you. And to that point, make sure you're using an approved aggregator for your review extensions, merchant and or product reviews so you ensure they're showing with your ads as well. There's some great free options for reviews, but one of the bigger stipulations with that is they're not showing with your actual Microsoft or Google ads. So it's important to get across that you are reputable. People enjoy your product and your brand. And so other people feel confident to buy from you as well. Another thing that you can do to stand out that some of those bigger box stars don't do is going to be the buy now, pay later Consumers do want that instant gratification of receiving that product. And given the economic stress lately, it gives an opportunity to the consumer and a sale to the business. So with financing options like a firm, uh, it's going to allow your consumer to buy from you and commit to your brand. And they're able to pay in payments later. So you're able to still acquire that user. A lot of those big box stores don't do it that easily. They're typically do it with a credit card, which is a bit more intrusive and not necessarily something that somebody wants to do. I think what a lot of people realize or don't realize, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that you don't necessarily have to go toe to toe with the big box stores. What you should think about is what are your most profitable products and what are your top selling products? If you're a small business with thousands of different products and a limited budget, you don't want to spread yourself too thin over all that, all those products. So instead, we always recommend focus not only on what your top products are, but also what are your top converting products in Microsoft advertising and other platforms. 
we see a lot of clients that see the conversion column in Microsoft advertising and they want us to focus on only products that are converting. And on the flip side, we forget about top selling products that people buy once they get to the actual website. What we also see is people focus on their Google Analytics reports and what products are selling the most across their entire catalog. And they forget about the fact that we're working with last click attribution here. So it's not necessarily what the customer buys, it's what they click on to get to the store that then leads that conversion. So my piece of advice for small businesses would be pay attention to what your top selling products are, but don't forget about those items in the window, so to speak, that are drawing customers into the store that ultimately results in the, the top selling product being bought. That was interesting, uh, Nick, because Yah in the earlier segment was talking about buy now, pay later as the new layaway for the online consumer. Last question for you, gentlemen, looking forward to a year from now, what are three things small retailers should know and plan for? Uh, yeah, you know, as we touched on earlier, I think starting to look at your customer acquisition in an omni-channel way. Data is showing that omni buyers are purchasing on average at five times the rate of a single channel user. So that's definitely going to be a big thing for people to focus on in the future. Google found that omni-channel customers have a 30% higher value than those who shop using only one channel. So that shows that omni-channel customers can also generate more revenue. Uh, alternatively, we see online searches such as uh, online shopping dresses and delivery increases alongside in-store shopping searches like shopping centers and store open. There's a couple big things. Make sure you're giving options to the consumers on how they can purchase, whether they be online, in-store, curbside, or delivery. Uh, consumers are varied in their preferred method, uh, a lot more since the landscape's changed so much in the past couple years. And that includes the ways that they want to reach out to you. Some people prefer phone, some email, some chat. Those are all great ways to connect with consumers, answer questions, and build that top funnel acquisition to purchase. 82% of consumers expect an immediate response to their inquiries. That service isn't going to be that great on a big box level. You can be there and give that immediate response to those consumers that they weren't getting from big box and be able to get a much better experience with those consumers so they want to buy from you. If you look into your auction insight reports, you'll see big box stores are anywhere from 5 to 40% more impression share by vertical. And that means they're not going away, they're getting bigger. So we need to be clear and concise about the value you bring to the consumer that they wouldn't typically get from Walmart per se. Pay attention to what your competitors are providing their consumers at all levels. For instance, we saw that the same Memorial Day promotion as years past get left behind. That 10% didn't compete anymore because looking at the big box retailers, they're offering 20, 30, 40%. So what you need to do is you need to look at your numbers, your margins, and see if you can offer those bigger discounts. And if that margin isn't there, then we need to look at the lifetime value or look at your brands or your product categories and see what is giving you the best margins with the current competitive nature with things and make sure that you're promoting things that it still makes sense for your business. You also want to stand out against the big box retailers. And that means you could have a longer return period, a better refund policy, a better return policy, a loyalty program, the buy now, pay later, or any additional service value that you could offer them. Make your messaging personal, both in acquisition and sequential marketing efforts. That is going to make a sale and do an experience they're going to connect with. Logical position 
has a lot of omni-channel marketing products and services. Could you elaborate on that a bit more and how it could benefit advertisers? Yeah. And our suite's ever growing. We started foundationally on the PPC side doing just Google ad marketing. Now we're a full suite of different uh, marketing objectives. So we've got your PPC side of things with Google and Microsoft. We also do SEO marketing. We do paid social with Facebook and Instagram. We also do email marketing with SMS uh, as well, which is something in an omni-channel way you're getting your best ROI on and something that we've really developed a lot of over the past couple of years for our clients. We also have Amazon marketing, website development, and we do a whole suite of creative services, whether that be logo design, display ads. We do video content for our clients and non-clients as well in terms of a la carte options also. But the reason why Logical Position has branched out and become this multi-marketing type of company rather than just being that single PPC agency is that we've recognized that Google Ads isn't a standalone product anymore to be successful. You really need all the arms and legs to your marketing ecosystem for everything to work together and provide that full consumer experience. So we're actually scaling the businesses that we work with. So that suite is ever growing right now. That's the list that we have. Um, But we're always piloting things and adding new additions. Well, I mean, and that's a good thing to be able to look at all the different channels that'll work for an advertiser that's going to help them be successful in this brutally competitive space. The benefit to having your omnichannel approach handled by one agency is ease of communication. When you go online and you're shopping, you want to engage with a brand that has consistency across all of its platforms. So if you see a social media ad, you want to also see that same messaging strategy or same sale advertised in the, uh, the PPC ad that you're going to be seeing next and engaging with. Uh, when the customer gets to the website, they're going to want to see the same kind of content and the same brand voice on that website that they experienced in the ads that drew them into the site in the first place. When you see the disconnect there between the different channels and an omni-channel approach, it just unnecessarily confuses the consumer. And so working with one agency to kind of handle that approach from a variety of different angles uh, is really a good way to just make sure that your brand consistency and messaging strategy stays consistent. Thank you, Matt, Nick, and Logical Position for your time and insights. And in our next segment, Tool Tips, I'll recap what you, as an advertiser, can do today to improve your campaign performance. So thanks again, Matt, Nick. Thank you, Logical Position. Thanks, Jake. It's been great. Yeah, thank you, Jake. Appreciate it. Okay, some great insights there from Nick and Matt. Based on all this knowledge, let's see what we can do right now to improve your campaign's performance. First... If you don't have shopping campaigns running, check that out. It's something you can import from your Google Ads campaign. You'll need to make a Microsoft Merchant Center account, and that only takes a few seconds to do. Microsoft Advertising will use your product feed from Google's Merchant Center to make it happen. One tip, check your bids after import. What you bid on Google may be more than Microsoft recommends. Tip two, try using the Microsoft Audience Network for native advertising. These are great image-based ads to show off your products and remind someone who's visited your site and abandoned their cart. Speaking of reminding previous site visitors, you'll need a little snippet of code to put on your site. It's called Universal Event Tracking, or UET, and that's what powers the reminder, or as we call it around here, remarketing. You can even set special bids to better position your ads to a shopper. And tip number three, Microsoft Advertising has something called an ad extension. 
It lets you provide more info about your biz or products. For example, you could test local inventory ad extensions to show your current stock and drive an in-store purchase or curbside pickup. And you can apply that once you have your shopping campaigns running. You've been listening to The Download Podcast. To watch The Download video show, visit microsoftadvertising.com slash the download.